Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, fighting job burnout when you're not in a position to quit your job. How to put your work into better balance without appearing like you're quiet quitting. Also this morning, a recent study claims the incidence of Parkinson's disease in the U.S. may be 50% higher than previous estimates, which is why Blanchard Valley Health System and 50 North are teaming to connect local patients with the information and help they need. We'll get details. And happening around town, the next show at the Fort Finley Playhouse is the original supercalifragilisticexpialidocious musical, Mary Poppins. We'll get a preview. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, April 11th, 2023. I thought this was uh, one of the most interesting items on the newswire this morning. As I'm perusing the newswire uh, to find uh, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories, this one really jumped out at me. Do you have the right, the right to a to the to access to the World Wide Web? Is having internet access? A basic human right. A researcher from the University of Birmingham says, yes, it is. Uh, They did a study examining five key areas where Internet access has become essential. And uh, that would be, uh, those five would be education, health, housing, social security, and work. And uh, in developing nations, those without Internet access are at a competitive a comparative disadvantage 20% of children between the ages of 6 and 11 have trouble getting to school in sub-saharan africa where schools can be great distances away and there is no such thing as public transportation and uh, personal transportation is basically your own two feet and so a lot of kids in that region of the world simply don't have access to an education. Online education could make all the difference for these children. I say the structure of the Internet enables a mutual exchange of information that has the potential to contribute to the progress of humankind as a whole. It is potential that should be protected and deployed by declaring access to the World Wide Web a basic human right. As Dr. Merton Regalitz, the University of Birmingham. So it's really kind of hard to argue uh, that in today's day and age, that it would not be a uh, basic human right. You know what I mean? But then again, there are downsides to universal access to the internet. And this survey of more than 2,000 adults over the age of 40, reveals that 39% of people have used online information instead of seeing their physician. Paging Dr. Google. Dr. Google, please. The average person self-diagnoses four times per year, or four times in the past year. Uh, Again, survey 2,000 adults over the age of 40 revealed common misconceptions about uh, the efficacy of fish oil, garlic, 
and honey as being enough to cure certain ailments. <laughs> Fish oil, garlic, and honey. It's the magic elixir, according to Dr. Google. Uh, 64% of women were likely to trust their doctors more than Google, compared to 54% of men. So it's still a majority that trusts their doc- doctor over the internet. But that still reveals an alarmingly high number of people who would turn to the internet and and believe online sources over their own personal physicians. Now, obviously there's some good medical information online. We talk about medical information and medical things, health-related topics on this program, and we, we refer people to online sources for basic information. But there's a lot of misinformation out there as well, and uh, I'm, I have a sneaking suspicion that in this survey, probably a fair number of people are looking at erroneous information, like, for example, that fish oil, garlic, and, and honey is the magic elixir to cure what ails you. When it comes to this, I thought was really, and this kind of drives that point home, when it comes to heart attack symptoms, most respondents knew that chest pain and shortness of breath are common symptoms, but very, but fewer knew that nausea and jaw pain are other signs, uh, warning signs of uh, heart attack. Interesting. So, that's uh, the idea is that uh, you can't always trust what you read online. I know, shocker, right? Well, here may, this may be one of the reasons why uh, people don't always trust their physicians anymore as much as they do the things they read online. is because the guidance from physicians, from the medical community, is constantly changing. Now, I know that I think we all realize that over time, guidance does change as we learn more about a specific condition. But it seems like there's always a new wrinkle being thrown in that upends what we've always thought to be true about some very common things. Case in point, as much as people may celebrate their own weight loss, it turns out that losing weight is not always healthy for you. A new study published in the JAMA Journal, Journal of the American Medical Association, shows that weight loss in older adults is associated with early death and life-limiting conditions. Weight gain, on the other hand, was not associated with premature mortality, according to this study. They looked at nearly 17,000 adults. So this is not a small study. 17,000 adults, 70 70 years plus, and um, let's see here. 17,000 adults age 70 plus in Australia and more than 2,000 adults 65 plus in the United States. Okay, so an international study. And everyone who participated in the study was weighed at their annual checkup between 2010 and 24, uh, 20, 2010 and 2014. So the study found that even a 5% weight loss increases mortality risk, particularly in order, older men. Weight gain 
in healthy, otherwise healthy older people, on the other hand, showed no association. So maybe losing weight is not all it's cracked up to be, at least for older adults. So, you know, you see that and you think, boy, that upends everything we've always been told about uh, losing weight and it kind of leaves you with, what do we believe? You know, what do you, what do you, it's, it seems like maybe uh, trusting Dr. Google is maybe the uh, better alternative or certainly the easier alternative. That doesn't always work that way. But anyway, I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting. And one of the reasons why maybe we uh, turn increasingly to online medical sources. A couple of other uh, interesting items here among the first things that you need to know this morning. It's been almost exactly a year ago that uh, NFL quarterback and former Buckeye Dwayne Haskins was killed in the uh, early morning hours, April of 2022, hit by a truck while trying to cross an interstate in Florida on foot. Um, And now Dwayne Haskins' widow says he was drugged in the hours before his death as part of a blackmail and robbery plot. So a year after the fact, we're getting new details that uh, make the plot of this story very interesting. The medical examiner had ruled the death an accident, adding that Mr. Haskins was legally drunk and had painkillers in his system in a new lawsuit. His widow alleges the uh, the football star was drugged by a group of people planning to extort money. So uh, we have not heard the last of that story. Um, that popped up, popped up in my uh, Google News feed just the other day. It was uh, uh, almost exactly a year ago, that tragic death of uh, Dwayne Haskins, who remembered so fondly by so many Buckeyes fans. So it'll be interesting to follow that story. Maybe there is more to it than what we have previously known. And this is very serious. Definitely one of the first things you need to know this morning. The FBI has issued a warning against plugging into public charging stations for your digital devices. You see them in public spots, in airports, you know, that kind of thing, uh, where they have recharging stations. But the FBI says bad actors have found a way to load your phone with all sorts of nasty stuff simply by simply uh, through the uh, charging stations. I don't know how this works. I'm not that uh, savvy of a tech guy. I mean, I think I know, I think I'm pretty comfortable with my level of understanding of modern technology, but this one just blew me away. They say, avoid using free charging stations in airports, hotels, or shopping centers um, because the bad guys can use public USB ports to introduce malware and monitoring software onto your devices. Instead, they say, carry your own charger and USB cord and use a standard electrical outlet. Um. Although it doesn't specifically say this, the same goes for using a thumb drive. Someone may have forgotten. Uh, In the past, other countries' spies have deliberately left thumb drives uh, in places where other people would find them and plug them in. And suddenly, boom, your uh, device is infected. 
Yeah, I don't know that I would ever do that. I, I think that's pretty obviously a bad idea. But uh, just plugging into a public charging station, they say, don't go sticking your cord into any old USB slot you find. It is not worth the few moments of charge for your devices. So, again, as we come up on travel season, you see them at airports and hotels and things like that, don't do it. Just use your regular uh, electric outlet and your own charging cord. There you go. Word to the wise. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected again today. A high of 72. Just a few clouds tonight. Low 55. The Finley Police Department is investigating an incident involving an assault and robbery that resulted in a shooting Monday afternoon involving an adult and two juveniles. It happened in the parking lot of the Circle K at 100 Crystal Avenue at around 5 p.m. Police say a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old arrived at the Circle K in the vehicle. Another 17-year-old was in a separate vehicle in the parking lot. The parties knew one another. Police say the 20- and 17-year-old donned ski masks and got in the other 17-year-old's vehicle, assaulted him, and took his wallet. Police say as the assailants were leaving, the 17-year-old that was assaulted pulled out a gun and fired three shots into the side of that car. Nobody in the car was hit by gunfire. Get more on this case on our website. Meantime, the police department is letting people know about Citizen Connect, an online tool that allows people to search incidents in cases where they live and work. Provides real-time data updates every 15 minutes. The program allows the citizens to search for incidents that have occurred, such as in their neighborhood or areas where they work, and it also allows them to sign up to be notified of any future incidents if they choose to do so. Lieutenant Hendren says being informed about criminal activity in your community is the first step in preventing future occurrences of crime. Learn more about Citizen Connect on our website. People impacted by the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, now have a new permanent clinic to help them. A new health clinic is opening near that derailment site. Residents have been experiencing health issues since that derailment in February. The new clinic will provide physicians, nurses, and mental health specialists, and it will be free to those without insurance. I'm Gabriela Garcia. You'll see school buses and students out and about in Finley today as spring break has wrapped up and students will head back to class. Looking at the Finley City Schools calendar, the last day for students is on Wednesday, May 24th, and then Finley High School commencement is on Saturday, May 27th. Remember, you can always get more news online at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, managing job burnout has long been an issue for workers and employers, for that matter. And in the post-pandemic era, the problem has become particularly acute. According to a recent Gallup report, three out of four employees say they feel overwhelmed at work at least some of the time. And we've also talked about other surveys and find anywhere between 50 and 90 percent of people who say that they are likely to take or at least look for a new job this year. But what about for those who just can't up and quit for something better? How do you manage those pressures when leaving your job isn't really an option? And how do you strike a better balance without being labeled as a quiet quitter? Dr. Ivan Meisner joins us this morning. You know him as the former CEO of BNI. He is the author of The Connector Effect, the proven way to grow your business right now. And who's in your room? The question that will change your life. And Dr. Meisner, when you look at all of these workplace trends coming out of the pandemic, 
What is your impression? What concerns you most about the state of the workplace today and this prevalence of burnout that we keep talking about, keep hearing about? Yeah, well, you know, and burnout has been around forever. Uh, when I was a young man in my 20s, people were talking about burnout. I, I think there's a couple of things at work here. One is that people have to find something that um, they really like to do. You're either working in your flame or working in your wax. When you're working in your flame, you're on fire, you're excited, you love what you're doing. People can see it in the way you behave and hear it in your voice. When you're working in your wax, it just takes all your energy away. I and mean, people can see that in the way you behave and they hear that in your voice. So you got to work in your flame. And if you, if you work, if the work you're doing is not your flame, then boy, you better have a hobby that is your flame so that you can live a, a, a life well lived. And I, I guess, are, yeah. no, I was going to say, and I, I guess the, the positive aspect of, of where we are today and some of these numbers are alarming, especially for employers who are looking about uh, looking at this and say, what do we do about, it? I guess, confronting the issue of burnout, which, as you say, has been there all along, that would have to be a good thing, right? It is. And there are ways of saying no without sounding like a jerk or worse. Yeah. Uh, but you have to say no differently to a boss versus a peer. So let's start with the peer before we jump into the boss. Um, some of the ways to say no that really are very effective, and this is my favorite one. If I said yes to you, I'm afraid I'd let you down. And here's why. And then explain why. I don't have the bandwidth. That's not my area of expertise. This isn't you know really the kind of thing that I do. Now, if you can follow that up with, I know someone in the office, though, that does have that expertise. Do you know them? Can I introduce you to them? I think this is something that they would uh, love to do. Mm -hmm. and, and so refer it over to somebody else. That works really well. Uh, and, and ironically, it, when you say, if I said yes to you, I'm afraid I'd let you down. You don't even use the word no. Yeah. So you, you've spun it around without even saying no. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. I don't do that. That's not my role. And I, I just did that this morning. You said former CEO. I'm the founder of BNI, uh, former CEO. And I had somebody this morning who said, you know, I got this problem. And then they were, went on a rant. And I replied back and I said, thank you so much for your message. I really appreciate it. I no longer run the day-to-day -day operations. Let me introduce you to someone who can give you the time you deserve mm. to address this issue. His response, oh, great. Thank you very much. That's a no. <laughs> no, right. I'm not going to deal with that. But it's done in a, in a tactful way. You know, when I was a kid, my mom gave me a paperweight that says, diplomacy is the art of letting someone else have your way. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how you say no to a peer and do it effectively. Yeah, because so many of us get trapped in this endless mountain of work simply because we can't say no or we can't say no tactfully. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, saying no to the boss is kind of a yeah. different animal. Oh, a completely different animal. So here's what you do. And I learned this years ago as a young man, uh, I, I was an employee and I had a boss that just, you know, kept giving me projects and it was longer and longer and longer. And I was feeling over, absolutely overwhelmed and overworked. And so what I decided to do is I sat down and I wrote a list of all the projects he had given me. Now, this is before computers. So I, I hand wrote the list. I set an appointment. I went into him. I handed him the list. First of all, his eyeballs got huge. It was like, whoa. <laughs> this is more work than I thought I handed over to you. I said, no problem. It's okay. To help me out, I want, I want to do a good job for you. Can you prioritize this list? 
not one through 25, but what are the number one items, the things you need done as soon as possible? What are the number two things? Things that can wait a week or two. And what are the number three things? Get to it whenever you can. It's no rush. He ended up actually taking things off the list because he felt that it was too much and there was somebody else that could have done it. And he just had me focus on the important things. I did it. I got a promotion after, after a period of time hmm. from this guy by having him prioritize. It's not saying no, but it's saying, I can't do all this. But you don't say those words, but you let them create the priorities. You know, the other thing uh, in those strategies is, and this is uh, always one of the things that you know people will, uh, I, I'm sure, worry about is, Losing respect of your coworkers, losing the respect of your coworkers or or your boss when you have to turn them down or refuse their requests. This actually can build uh, respect and have the opposite effect. It can because you, when you say yes, you deliver. People will know that when you say yes to a project, when you're going to take it on, you're going to deliver, and um, that is remembered uh, far longer than. If I said, yes, I'd let you down, uh, de delivering on what you promise is, is critical in, in business. How often can you go to that well, though? Because, you know, the other uh, issue that we have in the workplace today is this trend of, quote unquote, quiet quitting. Everybody's heard that term. Yeah. We don't want to be viewed as a quiet quitter. And, you know, if you start turning away work or saying no, even yeah. in a tactful way, Will it be seen as, oh, this is this person is quiet quitting? Yeah, it can be. And that's why you don't want to get into overwhelm. Getting priorities set uh, is is great. And it, may, and it might be, hey, you know, this is a great project that you're handing over to me, but here's my list of 10 things that the boss has me doing. So I can't add that to it. Um, that's, that's not quiet quitting. That's focused. You see what happens? Quiet quitters get frozen by fear. They're overwhelmed. And what you have to do is get focused by fear. When you're afraid, you're overwhelmed, the thing to do is to get focused. And the way to focus is to prioritize. And when you prioritize, especially when you have your boss doing it, then people that are asking you to do things, you say, where does this fit on the priority list that my boss just gave me? You know, it doesn't. Um, you know, let me see if I, there's somebody else in the office that can help you with this. Um, people will know that you're going to deliver and you're doing the stuff that you want to be doing, especially if you're, you're trying to do projects that are in your flame and not in your wax. So the big uh, question then is what if your boss or your coworkers won't take no for an answer? What if all else fails? Well, listen, your, your boss, your boss is your boss. And so you're going to need to either do the work that you're being told to do right. or look for another job. Uh, your coworkers, they're your coworkers. And you can always lean on your boss's list of priorities to say, this isn't on my list of priorities. I can't do it. Um, and, you know, sometimes, sometimes peers want to hand stuff off that they just don't want to do. And so they're handing it over to you. And if it's not on, listen, there have been many times as an employee where I've said, here's all the projects I've got going, you know, tell me where I could fit into this because I don't see a place. And it's not the thing that I generally do or focus on. Dr. Ivan Meisner, again, is founder, former CEO of BNI, best-selling author. We'll have a link up on our webpage for more information about his works. And uh, Dr. Meisner, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Truly my pleasure. 
Info to your health this morning. April is Parkinson's Disease Awareness Month, and as it happens, today is World Parkinson's Day. Kind of interesting, a recent study claims the incidence of Parkinson's disease in the U.S. may be 50% higher than previous estimates, which is one of the reasons why Blanchard Valley Health System and 50 North are kind of teaming up to connect local patients with the information and the help that they need. We are joined this morning by Barb Matheny and Dr. Bill Coase. Uh, thank you both for uh, dropping in this morning. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us. So I want to get to that uh, here in just a moment. But before we do, uh, it just so happened that this little thing uh, landed on my desk uh, a couple of days ago. It is the uh, official program from the Baldridge Foundation Leadership Awards. And I open it up here and turn to page 17. And under the category of Foundation Awards for Leadership Excellence in Healthcare, there's Dr. William H. Coe's Blanchard Valley Health System. Uh, well, that is true. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, that is quite an honor. Uh, it was quite an honor. Thanks to everyone at the hospital system and especially Paul Worstel, who was involved in this. Uh, that is uh, that is quite the uh, quite the honor. And you know, we talk about uh, you know, the hospital as a whole uh, getting right. a lot of uh, uh, awards, but to be recognized individually. Uh, it was quite an honor. Very I nice and very humbling, that. I would assume. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about this uh, Parkinson's. You have a couple of things that are uh, going on specifically in the month of April. So, uh, Barb, I'll start off with you. Talk a little bit about uh, about this and your involvement uh, in, in all of this, because this grows out of a, kind of an ongoing program for you and, and some personal history. Sure. Thanks. Um, I was diagnosed two years ago, and um, I was determined from the second day of my di- diagnosis to fight the disease with everything that was within my py- power. My journey in life had taken a different path, but I'm embracing it, and my hope is to inspire others, um, to inspire them to have a positive attitude and find that inner strength to accept the new challenges. So you have been the kind of the driving force, I understand, behind this community action committee to address this. Yeah, um, through the Davis Finney Foundation, they have an initiative for healthy Parkinson's communities. And the CAC, the Community Action Committee, is under that umbrella. So... A few months ago, I decided that that was the direction that I wanted to take our community. So gathered leaders in healthcare, people with Parkinson's, caregivers, a wide range of different leadership from our community. And Bill decided to help me in my endeavor. And It's hard to turn Barb down. <laughs> so, so anyhow, uh, our first meeting was in March the beginning of March, Mm -hmm. and it's amazing what my committee, within a month's time, were able to pull off. Well, that's what I was, you know, obviously, as you said, this is very personal for you. Um, What was the reaction? I mean, it had to have been uh, very heartwarming to see the the reaction to starting this committee and getting everybody on board. Absolutely. Um, In fact, really... Only one or two people turned me down, and we have a committee of 15 now. Wow, so, that is uh, that is yeah, awesome. It's very heartwarming. So uh, you've got a couple of events happening uh, at 50 North coming up. Tell us uh, a little bit about these. Yeah, 
Thank you. Um, on Thursday, April 20th, they have a regular Parkinson's exercise class at 11 o'clock on Tuesday and Thursday. And so people are welcome to come to that class. And then at 12 o'clock, 50 North is offering a free lunch for people with Parkinson's or those affected caregivers. Mm -hmm. And at 1 p.m., there will be a presentation on therapy with Parkinson's. So um, occupational therapists, physical therapists, speech therapists will be presenting a program. Mm -hmm. And then on April 26th, there will be a, another special event coming up. Um, professionals from 50 North, Blanchard Valley Healthcare System, OIO, and the University of Finley are going to be offering a free muscle skeletal swallow and voice screening. And that's open to anybody, not just people who have Parkinson's, people mm -hmm. maybe who suspect there might be an issue or just would like to go through their um, screening tests. Yeah. And that's um, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock at 50 North. Now, um, Dr. Coase, we referenced the, uh, the study uh, which uh, estimates that the incidence of Parkinson's in the U.S. may actually be as much as 50% higher than previously believed, than previous estimates. And this is not a rogue study. This is a peer-reviewed study. What are, what are some of the, the causes? I mean, do we know what brings this on? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, the history of Parkinson's treatment and diagnosis really started back in the 1960s. And over the years, we've learned more. It's a neurodegenerative so that there's not enough general part, uh, dopamine in the brain, although there are peripheral manifestations. And uh, no, we're not exactly sure. Partly, people are living longer probably more subtle diagnosis now being made because people don't just start out and all at once they have the problem. As Barb said, there may be manifestations. Most people think of Parkinson's as a tremor, but that's just one of the symptoms that, that people may be, see. The other is people are living longer. And then I personally think there's probably some environmental um, cause of this that we don't know about. And without talking about pesticides, herbicides, and plastics and everything else that's in our environment some there, people are pointed to that yeah there, there, there's there's something that's going on because we certainly see a lot more than what we did before even though as i said we are we are picking it up earlier and uh barb for for you you know that again those earlier diagnoses was that kind of uh your case i mean and you also talked about the screenings and such that would be available uh, for for everyone, talk about the importance uh, of that again, as you can personally attest. Yeah, definitely. Um, the symptoms are often ten to twenty years before even diagnosis, mm. which is you know very surprising when I came across that statistic. I had symptoms about a year before I was officially diagnosed. Mm. Um, and finally did get my diagnosis. And it just lends a better, you know, viewpoint of your disease. Mm -hmm. I immediately started doing a lot of research, you know, lined up my Taking movements. charge. Yeah, taking, taking charge, charge of the health, yeah. 
And, and Dr. Coase, you mentioned this is a degenerative uh, disease. So like many degenerative diseases, the earlier caught, the better the treatments. And Yes, I, I think, I mean, there's, there's the high perspective. It doesn't have to be elderly people, but that's what we see it more in. The, the more that someone can take care of themselves with any kind of a chronic disease, in addition to neurodegenerative, Alzheimer's would be the most likely. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's commonalities in the, the level of treatment before you start medications. Exercise is really important for balance control so you don't fall and so you don't have problems keeping your muscles. The things Barb talked about, why the screening is so important. But that also applies to Alzheimer's. The the, the diets we've talked about, the Mediterranean, the low fat, mm-hmm. uh, those things all are uh, important. And then in Parkinson's, there are medications that, that can be involved. In fact, there are surgeries that can be involved. And uh, again, uh, as Dr. Coase was alluding to, uh, certain exercises and staying active and so on. So again, emphasizing the importance of uh, some of the uh, programming uh, that you were talking about. Uh, also want to mention uh, that you that there also will be uh, information available at the Y, at 50 North, the library, Correct. and so on throughout the month of April. Yeah, um, I've put out tables of displays of different pamphlets, brochures, and so on with different um, targeted issues that people face with Parkinson's. And I also want to mention... Um, there's a new program at the YMCA, Rock Steady Boxing, and they will have some demonstrations, and that's an ongoing class after this month as well. It's on Monday and Wednesdays at 1 o'clock. So for more information, I, again, we mentioned the, uh, the information that will be freely available, uh, 50 North, the Y, uh, at the library. Uh, but again, for more information on those programs, again, 50 North and uh, the YMCA Correct. and uh, so on. So uh, we have uh, information on our webpage as well, linked up at uh, goodmornings.net. And again, Barb Matheny, Dr. Bill Coase, Blanchard Valley Health System. Uh, for uh, World Parkinson's Day today and Parkinson's Disease Month in the uh, month of April. Thank you both for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you for this opportunity. Thanks, Chris. 20 years of making mornings good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. A Florida high school teacher has been fired after giving his class an ill-advised assignment. Uh, Apparently, uh, Jeffrey Keene, Dr. Phillips High School in Orlando, uh, instructed his students to write their own obituaries in advance of an active shooter drill. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) probably not. A good idea when uh, when the principal of the high school found out about this assignment and uh, asked uh, Mr. Keene about it. He said um, he thought that the exercise would be helpful for his junior and senior uh, students, eleventh uh, and twelfth graders, to reflect on their lives, to figure out what's important to them and how they want to live their lives. Uh, <laughs> the students uh, asked the administrators about the appropriateness of the, uh, of the assignment, and apparently that explanation was not good enough. Mr. Keene was fired the same day. He'd only been with the school for less than a year. He said he did nothing wrong, in his opinion, 
and emphasize the importance of speaking with students truthfully. <laughs> well, truthfully, he's out of a job. It's another psychology teacher. <laughs> All righty then. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, broken news, the odd and unusual side of the headlines, fire crews in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, recently rescued a person who was trapped inside of the Talus Dome art installation. Basically, a life-size work of art. <laughs> and he got himself trapped inside of it. Uh, after being rescued from the artwork, he was charged with one count of mischief. According to uh, news reports, the Telus Dome is a collection of 1,000 stainless steel spheres that represent a, that that uh, resemble a pile of rocks. It's the work of uh, artist Richard Tozak. Uh, well, that installation uh, did end up with a bit of damage after Edmonton Fire Rescue Services needed to use the jaws of life and uh, also a, a metal saw. Another heavy rescue equipment to make a path for the man to escape. It was not designed for people to wander in and through it. It's not a playground. The man also caused damage by climbing on the structure. He was charged with one count of mischief uh, in excess of $5,000 of value. So, (laughs) trouble with the law. Oh, because he was a bit of an art lover, so (laughs) get up close and personal with the art. Uh, Let's see. Also from the international file, a man in China, uh, allegedly in a feud with his neighbor, scared 1,100 chickens to death, which has landed him six months behind bars and a year of probation. This is according to the China Daily, uh, the accused reportedly snuck onto his neighbor's property and shined a flashlight on his chickens, causing them to panic and flee into a corner, leaving several hundred dead from being trampled in the commotion. (laughs) And a chicken stampede! Uh, The uh, perpetrator was apprehended and ordered to compensate his neighbor, about $435, the equivalent of $435 for his loss of his chickens. However, uh, after that first incident, that did not deter him from striking again. He returned to the property a second time and basically did the same thing, and another 600 chickens died the same way. (laughs) And just didn't learn his lesson there. A court ruled that the man intentionally caused the loss of the chickens, uh, and he was convicted of intentionally destroying property. He did show some remorse for his behavior, uh, but not before getting his six-month prison sentence and uh, one-year probation. (laughs) He caused a chicken stampede. (laughs) All righty then. And a couple of other items in the uh, broken news this morning. This I this is not your typical broken news story, but it was so bizarre that I had to include it here. Apparently now science has confirmed what many of us have long suspected. Sometimes men lie about uh, their uh, <clears throat> endowment. Yes, I know it's hard to believe. 
But according to a study from a study out of Denmark, men exaggerate their length by up to 21% on average. The survey of 224 men found that 26 of them uh, claimed that they uh, their uh, body part uh, was over a foot long. Uh, the answers to the survey were then compared to average actual measurements of men in Denmark. Uh, now, it should be pointed out, men who blatantly lied, like one person who said that his was uh, over a half mile long, were excluded from the experiment altogether. So they just threw that one out. But uh, the final data set included 191 men, and the uh, researchers uh, commenting on their study say, given our findings, scientific studies uh, in which uh, data was self-reported concerning this particular fact should be interpreted with great caution. Uh, participants also made themselves taller and exaggerated their overall physical capabilities in the same survey. Interestingly, though, men did not lie about their weight. <laughs> I, you know what? <laughs> what made me uh, really left me scratching my head in this is whose idea was it that we had to scientifically study this? <laughs> These researchers in Denmark have far too much free time, I think. <laughs> we need a scientific study about this. We need... yeah. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, moving on. Uh, Selena Quinones and her husband, Joseph, decided just for fun they would take one of those DNA tests, right? Those home DNA tests. So they take the DNA test, they uh, send it in, uh, and they were shocked to find out that they are distant cousins. <laughs> they never knew. The pair shared the news online in a video clip, a picture of the couple seemingly on their wedding day, uh, contains the text that said, married my husband in 2006, not thinking anything of it. We had three kids. In the next clip, a screenshot of the DNA results uh, show that uh, Selena and her husband, Joseph, are actually related. The uh, tag on it says, come to find out we were related. We were cousins. Um, the pair able to uh, make light of the situation, though, captioning the post, my kids and my husband are my everything, and we just looked past it. All of our kids have 10 fingers and 10 toes, so <laughs> we're good. She does go on to say that it is an icebreaker. Now, when they run out of things to talk about with people, <laughs> they've got a conversation topic. Uh, should be mentioned that the pair is from Mississippi. Of course they are. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This, I mean, how would you like to find that out, though? You get that back, uh, those DNA test uh, results back and you know, Shocker of all shockers. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. And yet another major brand just announced it's halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. 
They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives in a new survey commissioned by Forbes. Uh, they asked folks, and, and this, I don't know, you, you can make of this what you will, whether you buy this or not. Uh, you know that all around the world, particularly in Europe, they've uh, been instituting pilot programs testing out a four-day work week. Uh, instead of the traditional five days, um, people get three-day weekends every, uh, uh, every week. Uh, and the results have been that employees are happier and employers are happy that productivity, in many cases, increased. But that being said, this seems to go against that. This new survey of 1,000 people, again, is commissioned by Forbes, finds that just 12% of workers between the ages of 18 and 25 want a four-day work week. 19% of those between the ages of 26 and 41, 24% of those between the ages of 42 and 57, and 32% of those age 58 and up. Uh, Now, this doesn't mean that those polled don't care about work-life balance. 51% of employees said that it was vital to a company's culture, as did 47% of the employers who took part in this survey. They kind of looked under the hood at what benefits employees find most important. 32% said seeking a higher salary was an important reason to consider when finding a new job. 22% of employers think employees quit because they've hit a wall with uh, respect to advancement in their current position. 20% of employers said workers quit over inflexible working arrangements. And 45% say health benefits uh, are uh, a a must. But uh, through it all, what they find is that Respondents overwhelmingly said that they don't necessarily want the traditional five-day work week to be replaced by a work week that's one day shorter. They'll take it if it's offered, but uh, it's not something that is necessary to their long-term satisfaction with their job. Kind of interesting and maybe goes against what we've been hearing of late with respect to work and work-life balance and so on. And you might initially think, yeah, this uh, whole thing has been rigged by the boss. (laughs) But uh, at least in this country, uh, people seem to be more driven by other things. It is the next musical to the next show, the Fort Finley Playhouse season, the original supercalifragilisticexpialidocious musical, Mary Poppins. And joining us from the cast, 
uh, Jordan Gottschalk and uh, Megan Meyer. Thank you both for uh, dropping by this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you. So I always have to uh, to ask, and I know Jordan, you are in the role of Bert. Yes. Uh, so pretty big, uh, iconic character there. And Megan, you play uh, Winifred uh, Banks in yes. uh, in the musical. So. Um, I always uh, ask when we talk about a show that is so well known as uh, as Mary Poppins, so well known and beloved across the generations, is that sort of intimidating to kind of approach uh, approach this material? I would personally say so, um, just because you want to pay homage to the character, right. while also giving it your own original spin exactly. and twist. So I've tried to not watch the movie as much as I can, <laughs> just so I'm not like sitting there just copying word for because then you just might as well watch the movie. So. Right, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it, it is tough because, uh, like I said, people kind of go in with a, a certain level of expectation. Uh, yes, and, and my character, um, Winifred Banks, is a little bit different in the musical um, as opposed to the movie. She's not quite as um, self-assured. She's kind of looking to find her place um, in the world and her family. Um, so in some ways, that's a little bit easier because people don't have quite the same expectation coming in. Okay, so a little bit of a different spin actually yes. on the character yes. itself uh, within the play. What about for, for Bert? Is it pretty familiar? It, it's to- pretty familiar throughout yeah. the show, yeah. He's still the loving chimney sweep that kind of helps the kids through and helps Mary show the kids what to do. So, uh, how, how cool is it, though, to do a, a show like this, uh, again, for those those same reasons yes because you have all the iconic songs from the movie mm-hmm. and some it's just great i would imagine it shortens rehearsal time right yes. <laughs> <laughs> everybody when, knows the yeah you're having fun so it, it's great so uh talk a little bit about the uh the storyline and the the way the plot evolves as you mentioned in some ways very familiar with the story that yeah. we all know uh but then there are some uh, changes some subtle differences. Yeah, so throughout the show, we see the Central Banks family, and we kind of see that we have George, who is the father. He's very strict, very work-driven. We have um, Megan's character, Winifred, who is the mother. She's kind of timid, trying to be the perfect mother, but not doing so hot at it. And then the two kids who are acting out to get attention. Yeah. Well, they keep on chasing off all of their nannies, and then eventually Miss Mary Poppins herself shows up and gives them a run for their money. So, <laughs> And we kind of see how the show evolves with some different characters that she introduces, like myself, the chimney sweep. We have Mrs. Corey, who holds this conversations, and we get the big supercalifragilistic number. And we see some statues and just some other different characters. Are so. there are, are there aspects uh, to the play that are that are not in the in the show in terms of some of the characters that are introduced or anything like that? Yeah, so um, it kind of mixes the book that it's originally based off of right. and the movie as well mm-hmm. to kind of make a. Well, that, that'll be fun because I think there are probably, in this day and age especially, far fewer people who have actually read the book than have seen the movie. Yeah. So, um, and, and you mentioned, Megan, that uh, your character is a little different. I, I always uh, thought of uh, Winifred in the, in the movie as being a bit scatterbrained. Yes, yes. And I would say the Mrs. Banks of the musical is a little less scatterbrained, but um, a little more timid. Um, kind of in her husband's shadow, uh, really wanting to to do the best job that she can and always feeling like she comes up short. Um, 
So yeah, she's she's a little bit different. So uh, a really talented cast uh, too. I mean, this uh, is a fun show to work with. You've got uh, young people, obviously, front and center uh, in the show. Talk a little bit about the, some of the the cast. Yeah. So we have um, central to the casters two two kids, um, uh, Michael and Jane, and they're played by uh, Dalton Sleesman and Kara Nichols, who are new to the Playhouse but not new to being on stage. They're uh, youth theater veterans. Aha, aha! Great opportunity to sort of bridge that gap. Uh, yes. But how fun yes. is that, especially yeah. with uh, new people uh, to you know come into a show like this? Right. Yeah. So, like we said with them being youth theater veterans, they are on it. They have all their lines pretty much memorized already. <laughs> they have, like, it's amazing Are how, they showing you up? Yeah, uh, Maybe a little bit. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So yeah. give us all of the uh, details. Uh, the show uh, opens later this month, right? Yes. Um, opens on April 27th, runs April 27th through the 30th, um, May 4th through the 7th, and then the 11th through the 14th. The Thursday through Saturday shows are at 8 p.m. The Sunday shows are at 5 p.m. And tickets uh, actually are on sale now for members. For right? Yes, for season ticket holders, for our uh, benefactors, angels, and patrons. But they go on sale to the general public on Monday. Monday. And you can get tickets online, at the box office, yes. all of that. So you can get them online starting at midnight on Monday, which is what I would suggest because they're going to go quick. I would imagine so. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, we have one in-person day, which is on that Monday, starting at noon until 3 o'clock. Okay. Uh, and as we've always said, the Playhouse is a great uh, place to see a show because it is uh, very intimate. But the flip side of that is that tickets will go quickly. And this is a great show for the entire family, too. Yes, yes, absolutely. My four-year-old's very excited to come and see it. (laughs) (laughs) Bring the kids. It is going to be a terrific... And and I would imagine that makes it even that much more fun to perform, knowing that there are kids uh, out there in the audience. Uh, We've got a link up on our webpage for more information about the uh, Fort Findlay Playhouse production of Mary Poppins opening on April the 27th. And again, Jordan Gottstruck and uh, Megan Meyer, thanks very much for dropping by. Certainly uh, best of luck with the show. Thank Thank you you so much. Break a leg, as they say. (laughs) Thank you. And with that, we finish up our podcast for today. want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning, of course. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow, Justice Clarence Thomas finds himself at the center of a controversy over questions about a lack of a Supreme Court ethics policy. But what's the best way to ensure public trust in the high court? Plus, fire up the grill. Spring is here and it's barbecue season once again. One of America's most celebrated grill masters, Stephen Reichland, will join us as we celebrate 25 years of his best-selling Barbecue Bible. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.